The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I'd like to go to Acts chapter 6 this morning to introduce our thoughts. We've, as you know, been trying to consider the attributes of God's thriving kingdom that we see exhibited in the book of Acts. And I think it'll especially be evident today that the book of Acts is the church in its first love. Their first time that they're hearing the gospel of unconditional sovereign grace in whatever background they were coming from, either from just total total wickedness or whether it be uh, Judaism or whether it be pagan idolatry, going from the bondage of a, a works-based salvation that I have to, uh, especially paganism, I have to do something to keep this God from, from uh, consuming me. I have to make offerings and all these different things. And they were first hearing about this God who's not a a, a angry, vitriolic God, but now they're hearing about a loving Heavenly Father that sent His Son to die for their sins, and they are just so filled up with gratitude and goodness and, and excitement over the gospel, excitement over the kingdom, but more than anything, just filled up with a love of God. And one of the natural expressions of that, you know, we've been talking about these are the attributes of a thriving kingdom. These are things that naturally come out when the Holy Spirit is abundantly blessing in the kingdom of God. These are symptoms that are indicative of the cause. And I would say the cause is just a church that is absolutely in love with Jesus Christ. A bride that is absolutely in total, focused, uh, passionate love with their husband. And one of the attributes of that, one of the symptoms that naturally come out when the church is just so in love with Jesus Christ is a passion and a love for God's Word. Okay, A passion and a love for the Word of God. And there's just no other way to put it, there's no other way to separate it. The greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind. And we cannot obey that greatest commandment without a passionate love of God's Word. Okay? We, we just have to let that truth sink in. We can't love God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and all of our mind and willfully neglect the Word of God. That's, that's professing a love for Christ. But, I mean, if, if someone had, uh, which is the condition that the bride of Christ is in, if you've been separated from your beloved husband for a period of time and he told you he's coming back and he wrote you letters of, uh, to encourage you during that time period, how much could you really say that you love that, that beloved husband that you're separated for a bit, if you really don't care or pay attention or, or have a, a desire to read the letters that he left for you, right? 
that you cannot separate a love for God from a love for God's Word. And I pray that we can see that attribute in the kingdom of God in the book of Acts. And I believe, I know certainly the case with me, that we all need to have a more passionate love for God's Word. Because you exhibit your love for God by showing your love for His Word. And there are three ways, as I was meditating upon this, that, that we exhibit that passion and love for God's Word. And certainly we see this exhibited all throughout the book of Acts. First of all, in personal Bible study. In personal consumption of God's Word. You need to have a daily, as we've discussed with you, a manner, a uh, consistent routine, but don't let it get routine. We need the Spirit of God to make the, jump, the, page, the, the words jump off the page, but we need to have structure because otherwise you'll just let the affairs of this life entangle you and encroach upon uh, your time and you won't, you won't uh, read God's Word or, or the other daily acts of discipleship that we should be engaged in. So you need to have a, a consistent pattern, and we've provided for you for many years a daily reading plan, and I hope that's been uh, beneficial to have a structure on that. And since we're being honest together, I'm about a month behind in that. <laughs> uh, so I've, uh, you know, I know whereof I speak, right? Uh, I know I've let the affairs of this life get me really behind, and they're they're, they're just excuses. They're not reasons. They're just excuses. Uh, and I know that I need to do better myself. So we, we all need to have uh, a, a consistent routine of reading God's Word. But it's not about the pastor saying, hey, read your Bible. You know that. Okay, right? You know you need to read your Bible. It's about you loving God's Word enough that you really want to. You know? And I remember those days... Uh, thinking about the church and its first love, and in, uh, maybe you've experienced this, I hope you have. If you haven't, I hope the Lord blesses you to have the zeal and desire uh, to, to experience this. But when I began to speak in the church, uh, I was very convicted because I never read the Bible all the way through at that time period, and that's to my shame. I, I mean, I'd read the Bible, uh, probably 70% of it, uh, very casually, very casually, to my shame. 24 years old, very casually. And I began speaking and was very convicted, obviously, right, <laughs> that if you're going to be speaking, you need, you need to read the whole Bible, right? So uh, that's when I came up with the uh, Bible reading plan. That's the first one that worked for me. Uh, it, it's the five-day plan and uh, three different segments. That worked a lot better for me because I, I was the classic person. Let's read the Bible all the way through, and you... You exit in Exodus and you leave in Leviticus, right? Because uh, it's just hard to kind of trudge through that when you're not reading something else. But I remember those days back when it was I was just working and uh, single, living by myself, and uh, I would get up and I'd read the Bible for hour, hour and a half, and I would the Lord was just having things jump off the page at me, and I was really understanding it for the first time, and I was so disappointed that I had to leave and go to work for eight hours, and then I got that out of the way. And when I came back, I ate supper real quick, and then another three or four hours, that's all I did was study the Bible. I did that for a couple of years. And thankfully, the Lord allowed me to have that foundational, that time to have that foundational knowledge 
think that that was necessary in my ministry because I'd wasted so much time before. I should have already had that foundation, but I wasted so much time before. The Lord gave me the opportunity to have that foundation that was necessary uh, for my ministry. And I look back at that, and uh, I didn't have as many obligations back then as I do now, and I had different different work obligations, and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I can say definitively that I remember those times when it was first jumping off the page at me. And we all need to have that kind of love of God's Word rekindled, or if you've never felt that, just kindled. <laughs> and I can remember times where all I wanted to do was just get work out of the way just so I could get back to the Word of God. Which, by the way, is a side note. When the kingdom is being blessed and you're having new people come in that are just experiencing this for the first time and just reading these things from the first time with the right perspective, the Lord told the disciples in the New Testament, He told them to become as little children. And one of, obviously it's, it's a tremendous blessing to be baptizing people and and to see people pressing into the kingdom. But also, for those of us that have been in the church for a long time, it's great to hear these people that are just understanding it for the first time that allows us to, to be reminded of the kind of vision and excitement that we should have from, I think about Ephesians and Romans, uh, that we just kind of take, them for, take it for granted. But when someone's really understanding that for the first time, it is amazing to them. Right? Have you ever had those kind of conversations with people that are just understanding it for the first time? I know there's a couple of people I've interacted with and watched for the last few years, and, and uh, just seeing them going through the book of Romans, for example, for the first time, and they're saying, do you see what it really says, right? Do you see that it's a free gift? Do you see that all these beautiful truths? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I know it, yeah. But we need people that, that see that the Word of God for the amazing thing that it really is if, if we've got a little complacent and maybe taking it for granted. And if we look in the mirror, if I look in the mirror, there's no other, no other way to say it, is that to a, to a certain degree I have. And that's why we all need to have a more personal uh, love for God's Word. Okay, so first of all, you just loving God's Word in your personal Bible study. And then that flows into you having a passion and love to hear the preaching of God's Word. You want to. It's not just that I've, I've got to go to church and I listen to the preacher. You are actively engaged in public worship, but also I'm looking for other opportunities. If it's a Wednesday night, if it's a Bible study, if it is uh, a special annual meeting, and I know not everybody's a preacher, and I'm not telling you this is what, you know, obviously I, I've been called to a different calling, but I need spiritual stimulation in the middle of the week. And I, uh, and again, this is probably part of the reason why I've slacked so much these last five or six months is I, I was in a consistent routine of listening to preaching so much during my work day and just having that going in the background all the time and having that that spiritual stimulation even when I'm having to do these these activities uh, that are not necessarily spiritual I'm just have that consistent spiritual stimulation and I haven't been purposeful to do that as much but you should have a desire and a love to hear the preaching of God's Word. I love 
to tell the story, but I love to hear the story, right? I love to hear God's word preached. And then that should also then flow, especially your personal Bible study, that should flow into your daily conversations of discussing the word of God with those that you come in contact with on a daily basis, okay? So your personal Bible study, a love for the hearing of God's word, and then also a desire to discuss God's word with other like-minded believers for you to have your mind stimulated by those spiritual discussions. And, and we've talked about this before, but uh, I think we all need to be reminded of this, have our minds uh, stirred up, that uh, I've told you many times before, we know that it's a truth that we talk about what we love, right? We talk about what we love. It naturally comes out. I mean, it, it doesn't take too long when you're around somebody, you're meeting them for the first time. If you're proud of your kids and you love your kids, people are going to hear about your kids pretty quick, right? If you, if you uh, just got married, and, and, or even if you didn't just get married, if you're, if you're excited about your spouse, about your kids, about some new thing that's happening, da-da-da-da-da, it's going to be right on the tip of your tongue, right? And again, it's hard to hold that mirror in front of our face because I know that that doesn't just naturally ooze out in my conversations in the manner that it should. And again, I think that our speech always reflects where our true heart is and what we really love. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's kind of a sobering fact that where your speech is, there, there is your heart also, right? And if we really love God, we should love God's word, and we should want to discuss God's word with other like-minded believers. So I want to introduce this from uh, Acts chapter 6, and I really want to get some specific phrasing here that I think is just a beautiful uh, word picture that gives us a beautiful mental picture of not just us individually loving God's word, but the way that when the kingdom is growing and expanding, as it uses the language here, the word of God increasing, the word of God growing, the word of God prevailing, the word of God multiplying, okay? And we've, we've made our way back to Acts chapter 6 for multiple different uh, attributes of the kingdom. Uh, and I think you should probably know it well by now that <clears throat> the... The disciples were caring for the uh, widows, and there was an issue between preferential treatment of the Hebrews and the Grecian widows, and then they appoint deacons, right? And they lay hands on them, the proper allocation of duties in the church, and the, uh, the ministry said, we don't want to uh, be taken away from our primary calling of full-time ministry. We will give ourselves continually to prayer to the ministry of the word. So we're going to appoint these seven men to care for the business of the daily ministration. So you have the proper allocation of duties in the body of Christ, right? You don't have one person doing all the work and other people just coasting. You have proper allocation of duties in the body of Christ, and certainly the Spirit blessed and guided them in doing that. But notice this language, okay? The aftermath of this, and again, the proper allocation of duties in the body of Christ Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. The word of God increased. Okay. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Because the word of God, is, it's not a person. 
the Word of God at this time, remember, they had the Old Testament Scriptures. They had the Old Testament Scriptures. But at this time, there was no New Testament. Okay? The books of the New Testament that we have canonized for us, there was no writtenness. That's so important to understand. There was no written Word of God at this time for them to have the privilege that we have today. And if we're reminded of that, especially if you study church history, if you study Bible history, if you, if you find out uh, the stories of these men that lost their lives to be able for us to have a printed version in our, uh, of the Bible in our homes, it's very dishonoring to them for us to neglect the sacrifice that they made by us having it so readily available and neglecting that, okay? But they did not have the written New Testament. They had the Old Testament, and they had some men explaining to them that Jesus was all throughout that Old Testament, but they did not have the New Testament yet. So it says the Word of God increased. Now, the Word of God didn't increase like it did back in the 1600s when uh, they had the printing press. And now all of a sudden you have the distribution of the written Word of God. How did the Word of God increase? By the preaching of the word, by the discussion. Because understand it, they did not at this time have a written Bible that they could get up. Well, they had the Old Testament, many of them, but they did not have a written New Testament that they could uh, they could get up in the morning and study. Instead, what what did the Word of God increasing look like? It looked like them listening to preaching, fellowshipping with other members of the church, and actively discussing the Word of God with other members of the church. Right. The Word of God increasing. And whenever you see the kingdom increasing, you will always see the Word of God increasing. I mean, it, it, it is incongruent to think that we want the kingdom to grow, but the love and the Word of God will either stay the same or be diminished, right? No, that doesn't make any sense. If the kingdom is going to grow, it's going to grow by the Word of God increasing. And how does the Word of God increase? By the Word of God increasing in our individual lives, right? And I also want to get language here in Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12, and we were here last week talking about prayer and church had the prayer meeting for Peter that was in prison and the Lord blessed them in a mighty way. And then he judges the enemy. He judges Herod, uh, which is a beautiful reminder that the Lord will always stand up and defend his people, Herod, who, was, who had already killed James and he's about to kill Peter. And then a very ungodly, wicked man, and he stands up and he, he gives this great speech and people give him credit says it's the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately the Lord smote him because the Lord gave him not glory and he was actually eaten up with worms and he gave up the ghost. So the Lord removed what you think about this there was a stumbling block there was a hindrance um, okay keep your finger right there keep your finger right or just listen Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3 and in verse 1 finally brethren pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. What is one of the ways in which the expansion of the kingdom of God it won't, it won't ever be stopped because the thing the, the Holy Spirit will not be stopped by the wickedness of men but it can be diminished to a degree by the wickedness and the persecution of governmental uh, especially governmental authorities. So what should be our prayer? Lord, remove all stumbling blocks, right? Remove everything that will, the, the word here 
Pray for us, church. Pray for the ministry that the Word of God may have free course. And that gives the idea of literally running a race with no obstacles, right? That, that the gospel would have liberty of movement. And as we've discussed with you many times, wherever there's open doors, there will always be many adversaries. Satan's always trying to... to th- whenever, whenever he senses any degree of lighting of the fire in the kingdom, his desire is always to try to go throw cold water on it, right? That's what he always tries to do. So our prayer is that the word of the Lord may have free course, no stumbling blocks, no, no, uh, no obstacles to the full expansion for we can run a, a clean race. You, know, there's a big, you can run a lot faster uh, in a 100-yard sprint or in a marathon than in hurdles, right? Literally, you know, in track, you got to run hurdles. Well, you, got, you can't run near as fast when you're having to jump hurdles, right? So, Lord, remove all the hurdles. And I love how they were having to endure persecution for a little bit. Yes, they faithfully responded to that. But what did the Lord do? He said, you need to pray. He tells, he tells them later on, you need to pray for the Lord to remove and deliver us from unreasonable wicked men. And there was a man that was trying to kill the apostles and throwing them in prison. What did the Lord do? He struck that man dead. He struck him dead. That's how the Lord defends his people, right? (laughs) If you don't get it, boy, if the wicked want to get in the way in the kingdom of God and the spirit, it's at your own peril, (laughs) right? Read the book of Esther. Read the book of Esther. How'd that turn out for Haman? He's the one who ended up hung, right? Herod ended up dead for persecuting the church. Now look what happens when the Lord removes this obstacle, right? And when I say an obstacle, there was a governmental restriction that was limiting their movement. Obviously, the the kingdom and the spirit moves as he sees fit, right? Uh, The government can't prevent the movement of the spirit. But notice what happens after he kills one of their biggest, and this is right after, (laughs) The Lord, in Acts chapter 9, he converted the greatest enemy of the church to the greatest apostle. And now the greatest governmental enemy of the church, he struck him dead. And what happens in the aftermath of that when the Lord is removing all these many adversaries? Verse 24, the word of God grew and multiplied. I love love that language. The word of God multiplied. The, The word of God was expanding and growing and having greater influence in areas that it did not previously have. And that's what happens when we see the kingdom of God growing. The word of God grows. The, the, the influence, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of other people, is going to grow and expand. So when we're praying for the kingdom to grow, we need to pray for the word of God to be growing. Okay? So now I want to back up and do what we've done Uh, for most of these attributes of the kingdom, which is try to give you a brief overview of all of these uh, attributes as exhibited in the early church going through the book of Acts. So let's back up to Acts chapter 2, right? Day of Pentecost, uh, we keep returning here for uh, all of these attributes, right? Because this is the day that uh, the Lord established. Uh, Not began the church, but he established the the beginning of the expansion of the kingdom. So we know here, Peter preaches boldly, uh, and the rest of the apostles there on the day of Pentecost, they speak with tongues, and then the men are pricked in their heart. Men and brethren, what shall we do? You need to repent and be baptized. 
Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. And notice this language. Acts 2 and 41. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, what happened there on the day of Pentecost? I don't think that anyone would have ever looked at this outside of these scoffers who said these men are drunk and they're full of new wine. I don't think anyone could have looked at this situation and looked at the men that were being used by the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues that they did not know and people heard it in their own language in a way that is contrary to nature. I don't think anyone would have looked at this and pretended if you're, if you're speaking words in another language that you don't know, it's pretty evident you can't take credit for the words you're saying, right? Right? That makes logical sense. So these men, when it says here, they gladly received his word, what they understood here is that this is not the words of Peter. This is the words of God. Okay? And this is something that, that uh, Paul later clarified with the Thessalonians. Let's go uh, first, first Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 2, and he describes the way that the Thessalonians responded to his preaching, okay? And I believe it's certainly true of these people here on the day of Pentecost as well. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and in verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So when I preach to you Thessalonians, and this is in the early part of Acts chapter 17 that we hope to make our way to, when I preach to you, you did not receive that that this is just some some random babbler who's saying crazy stuff about a guy that was dead and was supposedly he's, he's resurrected and living again. You did not receive this as just, uh, as he told the Corinthians, I didn't come to you with uh, enticing words of man's wisdom. It wasn't a well-crafted oration. It wasn't actually the, the knock against Paul was that he was fairly rude in speech and he was contemptible in speech. It wasn't very a very impressive eloquent display but you when you heard this you look beyond the messenger you look beyond the man who was saying this and you said this is not uh paul of uh saul of tarsus or paul formerly of tarsus who was you know of the of uh, the tribe of benjamin and formerly a hebrew of the hebrews and the, you did not say these are the words of paul the holy spirit implanted in your soul that these are the words of god now understand, at that time, they didn't have the written word. All they heard was the preached word. But the Holy Spirit implanted in their soul that this is not some random man speaking. God is speaking through this man. And the Spirit implanted that on their soul so strongly that they viewed as it truly was, as the Spirit was moving through the vessel of Paul, that these are not Paul's words. These are the words of the sovereign, omnipotent God and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. These are the words of God. And we really don't have time to lay, lay this for you again, uh, but 
we need to, to stand in awe when we take it for granted. It's our, it's our second article of faith. The, the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, yes, they are the divinely preserved Word of God. They are the divinely inspired Word of God. These are the words of God. You know, some people have said, which I think is a valid point with all these people that pretend like they have dreams and they write some other book that contradicts the Word of God. If there was a new prophet after the canon of Scripture is closed, if, if God did send another revelation, he would probably just repeat something he's already said that in what the Bible that we already have, right? These are the words of God. This is our picture into the heart of God. In Psalms, I saw this verse in my reading a couple months ago, and it just jumped off the page at me. I can't remember where it's at. If you ask me, I'll give you the reference later. But it describes the Word of God as being the thoughts of God's heart unto all generations. Do you realize how privileged we are? That God gave us His Word, praise God, His God-breathed Word. But these are the thoughts of God's heart. And he gave it for us. But these people here in Thessalonica, they didn't have the written word of God. What they heard, what they, what they had, was the preaching of the Apostle Paul. And they looked beyond this very unimpressive man and said, these are the words of God. And I believe that's what happened on the day of Pentecost, is that, yes, they heard in their own language the... <laughs> I guess you could say the words of Peter, but they weren't really Peter's words, right? Because he didn't even know how to talk in the other language. They recognized this is, this is not the words of Peter and these apostles. These are the words of God. So they received gladly God's word and they were baptized. But notice it says in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Yes, it's called the Apostles' Doctrine because they were the one that preached it, but we know it wasn't the Apostles' Doctrine, was it? Whose, whose doctrine was it? It was God's doctrine. It was Christ's doctrine. He, he said when he was about to go back up to heaven in the last chapter of uh, Matthew 28, he said, you teach them all things that I have commanded you. You see, they weren't teaching something uh, that this is not how to live your best life now by Galilean fishermen, right? No. These are the words of God. And they received it like that. And they didn't receive it as the, this is the apostles' doctrine. No, this is God's doctrine. This is Christ's doctrine. And that's why they were so excited about it, is because they understood that God, man, we really need to understand that. Yes, when in your personal devotions, this is God's word to the church, but it's God's word to you. Okay, and God, if you approach pray, if you approach the Word of God with prayer, and and pray what it says in Psalm one nineteen, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. If you pray that prayer when you're studying God's Word, God will speak to you through His Word in your heart. He will speak to you in prayer. And he will also speak to you in public worship in the preaching of God's Word. And that's why you need to be praying for your preacher, right? You need to be praying for your pastor on a weekly basis that the Spirit of God would be moving his mind and his heart in his studies. But also, uh, many times, there are things that just kind of pop out 
in sermons that I don't really have planned. They just kind of pop out, you know. Uh, and I'm not a very eloquent speaker, but many times it's, you know, I, the Lord does that just to keep us humble, by the way, just in case um, you were wondering. You, know, you have uh, a very well-planned out sermon, and these are the points that you need to take away from this, and all the main points that I planned out, nobody says anything about it, and it's the little side point that I spent 30 seconds mentioning that they were like, you know what, that was the, something I'd never thought about before. That's just a reminder to us that, you know what, if the Spirit's involved, these are not really my words, you know. I, I got to, now, that's why you need to be praying for us too, because I could, I could incorrectly discern the Spirit of God too, right? Uh, but we hope, our prayer is that everybody's praying like they ought to in the Spirit, and they're all submitting to the Spirit the way that we ought to. We hope that when we arrive at public worship on a regular basis, on Sunday, on Wednesday, and other special occasions, that these are not the words of men, that these are not the words of David, these are the words of God that he has for you today. Now, there are many occasions where we can say the right thing and it can be a true thing, but it might not be the right time to say that true thing, right? Now, you know, the Lord is not burdening me to preach about false prophets every single week, right? <laughs> that's, that's a scriptural point, right? And every now and then, the Spirit needs to remind us that there are false prophets out there. But you know what? There are some Sundays that you need to hear about something other than, than false prophets. <laughs> there are some Sundays that you're struggling with something, and if you're praying for the Spirit of God, you know what? A message on, prophet, on false prophets may not be what your spirit needs that day, even though it's a true point. Okay? And that's why we all need to be praying for the leadership of the Holy Spirit that the Lord ministers to us, not just sound tr biblical truth, but the, the message that we need at this moment, at this time, and on this exact day. And the Lord is always faithful to answer those prayers, I believe, when we pray with the right spirit. And when I'm praying with the right spirit and submitting to the discerning and the leadership of the spirit. So when they heard these words... They did not say, wow, these are some impressive <coughs> Galilean fishermen preachers. They said, this is the word of God. This is God. We believe, these were Jews from all these different places. We have been reading all of our lives about God speaking to Moses in that burning bush. And they're saying, God's speaking to us today, right? And boy, when that sunk in, there was a stampede to the front to be baptized, right? 3,000 people were added to the church. Okay, now, um, we're going to have to skip a good bit. Acts chapter 6, we've already kind of highlighted that, the language. The Word of God increased. The Word of God was growing. Acts chapter 8, and here the, they have the persecution, and then we've discussed verse 4. Uh, therefore, they that were scattered abroad, not the apostles, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, right? They that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now, their, just their circumstance of having to flee Jerusalem because of persecution gave them a perfect opportunity to talk about it, right? I mean, so they show up in a new place. Well, hi, nice to meet you. 
Where are you from? Oh, we're from Jerusalem. Why are you here? Did you get a new job? You know, why are you here? Well, we're members of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe Jesus Christ was crucified and buried and resurrected. And because of that, we were encountering some, some problems and some persecution there. And we felt like that we needed to leave. Well, just their story, just their story gave them an opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ, right? And I'll tell you, if we're, if we're just willing to be truthful about the, and not, not put our light under a bushel, there is no aspect, hopefully, of the church and the kingdom of God that is not involved in just our testimony and our story to where if we're just being truthful with people, the church and the kingdom is going to come up, right? As long as we're not purposefully putting our a light under, uh, uh, putting our light under a bushel to to not say this in front of this person. No, it's just naturally going to come up, right? Because the act, these people were they 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 changed their physical location. They left their jobs because they were willing to put the kingdom first. If you put the kingdom first, there will be changes. There will be decisions that you will make that will give you an opportunity to explain the reason why you made that decision to other people, right? That's going to come up naturally. But these guys didn't get we've, we've talked about this before in a previous message, multiple previous messages. When they got up every day, they didn't say, I need to advance. And it's good to have goals, right? Probably to do this. I want to talk to five different people about Jesus Christ today. That's, you know, that's a good goal if you want to do that. But really, these people were just so excited. They were in their first love, right? They were in their first love. And they also, things just mean more when you got to sacrifice something. Now they had a little skin in the game. Now they're having to endure persecution, but they, were said, they said it's okay for us to endure this persecution because this treasure hidden in the field is worth selling all that I have to possess that treasure. Now, now they've experienced what sacrifice for the kingdom is, and I think they'd already experienced some of those hundredfold blessings that the Lord promised for those that sacrificed for his kingdom, and they were just so excited. They didn't have to get up and say, man, I need to talk to people about Jesus today. It just oozed out of their pores, <laughs> right? Because they were just so excited. And that's pretty much what we see all throughout the book of Acts. Why? Really what it boils down to is this is the church in its first love. The book of Acts is the church in its first love. And they were also in the first love of the Word of God. And boy, they loved it. They were excited because they were getting that those tastes of grace for the first time. And they were just so excited. And again, this is just so condemning to me. But Y'all know that we talk about what we are excited about, right? We talk about what we love, just as a general baseline, but if there's something coming up, if there's a trip, if there's some event, everything leading up to that trip, you're probably telling everybody about it, right? That's just the way we're wired. We talk about what we're excited about. And if we're not talking about Jesus and we're not talking about the kingdom, and we're not talking about the word, then that's a, that's a pretty accurate reflection of where we're at. And, and we say, Lord, send your spirit. <laughs> send your spirit. You know? That spirit is characterized by fire. And yes, that fire will light you up. But another thing that fire will do is it will burn away the dross. And that's a good thing, to burn away the dross. 
Okay. We've already briefly mentioned Acts chapter 12. Uh, let's go to Acts chapter 13. We're going to have to skip the first portion of this. He is in, uh, I believe, Antioch here, Antioch in Pasita. And then he preaches the word of God in the synagogue, which is kind of interesting because it's the Gentiles who request for him to preach to them the next Sunday. Apparently those Gentiles were somehow uh, overhearing his preaching in the synagogue. So it appears that there was some buzz around Paul that for some reason these Gentiles, I don't think every Sunday that they just hung out at the synagogue. There was a buzz while these Gentiles were around the synagogue. And then Acts chapter 13 Verse 42, the Jews were going out of the synagogue. The Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. They were so excited about what they heard. <laughs> uh, I love to tell the story. It did so much for me. That's the reason I tell it now to thee. But I, I love, I can't get the lyric. Anyway. I love to hear the same old story. Why? Because as long as we're not getting too lukewarm and complacent, the Spirit of God should make us just as excited to hear the gospel of free and sovereign grace now as the first time we understood it, right? We should see... The, the beauty of the Word of God as we read it as, and as we study it, we should see it for the first time when we first understood it. But you want to know why this was so authentic in the book of Acts? Is because this was literally the first time these people were hearing it. <laughs> and they said, Paul, this is the best thing we've ever heard. Can you preach the same thing again next week? <laughs> And then the Spirit of God was moved. And you want to know what happened? These Gentiles had heard about it. All of a sudden, they're excited. And they're telling everybody they know about it. And this is an amazing attribute of the original church that maybe the Spirit will move or we'll see this again. Verse 44, Acts 13. The next Sabbath came together almost the whole city to hear the word of God. Now, how do you think people knew about that? Boy, this would this was long before social media, long before a newspaper. You want to know how the whole city knew about it? Everyone that was excited about it told everybody they knew about it, and then they heard something they hadn't heard. So that happened on Monday, okay? And then on Tuesday, the people who heard about that, they said, there's this, there's this really guy, weird guys that are saying, this guy from Nazareth was resurrected, and he was dead, but now he's alive. And they're like, man, we really need to go hear what he's got to say next week. And then that person tells somebody, and that person tells them. By the end of the, in six days, in seven days, the whole city knew about it. <laughs> right? Now, even if that, obviously that many people aren't going to join the church. But the word of God was increasing. Right? The word of God was multiplying. Why? Because people were just excited. They were excited because they were hearing it for the first time. And obviously, when we're here in Acts chapter 13, we've got to read verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they that were glad, they glorified the word of the Lord. Notice that. They glorified the word of the Lord. Now, they're not deifying the scriptures. They're not deifying the preached gospel. What they're saying is they're glorifying God who sent the message, right? God who sent that gospel. And the old Baptist verse, as many as were ordained 
to eternal life believed, right? Belief is always an evidence of one that has already been regenerated. So why were these people excited about it? We got to understand that as we talked previously about evangelism and relationship evangelism. We got to make sure we understand the right disposition, right? You know, we don't have the ability to make anybody understand the preaching of the gospel. We know that the Spirit of God already has to be there first and have already opened their heart to where their heart can be pricked. But after that work of the Spirit has already been there, now there's something spiritual in their heart that can receive the message and the preaching of the gospel. Okay, Acts chapter 17. Uh, at the beginning of this, he's in Thessalonica. And, you know, later on here, this is in uh, Acts 17, verses 11 and 12. Uh, you know, we always brag on the noble Bereans, right? And I'm going to brag on them too. It says that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they... They received the word of God with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And, you know, you may have been like me, and you read that, and you almost kind of view that as kind of like a backhanded dig at Thessalonica a little bit, right? The Thessalonians were impressive, okay? And, and we don't really have time to go uh, to First and Second Thessalonians. But he's saying, look, he's bragging on them. He's like, when, when I preached to you, our gospel came unto you not in word only, but in power and in much assurance. And not only did you get excited and you get baptized, you became followers of us and you, you cast down those idols to serve the living and the true God. And you sounded out the word of God. You were, you were telling everybody that you knew about it. And then also remember your work of faith and your patience of hope and, and the love and the, and the hope and the patience that you exhibited. The Thessalonians were fantastic, right? They, the Thessalonians were devoted. But you want to know the thing that just set the Bereans up just a little notch ahead? You know, he's not, he's not talking bad about the Thessalonians, right? He's just saying what made the noble Bereans just incrementally better was their personal devotions to study this out and verify it for themselves. Now, the Thessalonians, they, they were fantastic, right? They... they left idols they received the word of God they showed all the fruits of the spirit they were zealous and they were devoted but he's not speaking negatively of the people in Thessalonica he's just saying the thing that set the noble Bereans up just a little bit better was because Acts chapter 17 and verse 11 these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind. You know, whatever you have for us, Lord. If it's encouragement, if it's rebuke, whatever it is. Lord, that's something we need to pray every time when we approach public worship especially. But every time you approach the word of God, every time you approach reading in your daily devotions, say, Lord, tender my heart by your spirit and speak to me what you desire for me to learn today. And he'll speak to you in your private devotions, but he'll especially speak to you in public worship. So they received it with readiness of mind. We're willing to take what you've got for us, Lord. And this is probably the thing that just set them apart just a little bit. They searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Now that's the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have the written New Testament yet, right? 
So they, on a daily basis, made a commitment to verify everything that they heard from Paul. Because we know that God's not the author of confusion. So if, if Paul says something, then it will be in accordance with what God has already told us in the Old Testament, right? It's not going to be contradictory to it. So if Paul preaches something to us, we're going to verify it line upon line, precept upon precept, by the Word of God. And they were commended. They were commended that that set them apart, the noble Bereans, because they searched the Scriptures every single day. Okay, let's, let's hit very quickly Acts chapter 19. And he's here in Ephesus for two years. Again, amazing the way that the Lord, and we've talked about this before, you get a full-time ministry, you've got men that are preaching publicly, you have churches, church members that are evangelizing everybody they come in contact with just because they're so excited about it. And through two years, it says in verse 10, Acts chapter 19 here in Ephesus, Acts chapter 19 verse 10, this continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? And I'll tell you, that didn't happen by one man. That didn't happen by Paul. <laughs> that happened by they went everywhere preaching the word, all the members of the church. And then, I also want to highlight, we talked about verses um, 18 and 19 in regards to radical conversions and these uh, people that were involved in witchcraft that burned their books were 50,000 pieces of silver. What happened in the aftermath of that? Verse 20. I love this language. Mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. <laughs> There's a lot of people and a lot of wicked spiritual influences that are wanting to prevent the growth of God's word. Well, in this instance, the word of God conquered all that. The word of God prevailed over all of those obstacles. And I also want to highlight here in Acts chapter 20, they had a worship service on the first day of the week. <laughs> and verse 7, Acts chapter 20, and upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Now, don't, don't get concerned. That word preach means dialogue. Okay? The Greek word is almost exactly like the English word dialogue. So, no one is going to sit and listen to a preacher as a one-sided monologue till midnight, right? Right. What he's describing here is essentially they're just having a Bible study where they're discussing the Word of God, what we would call many times just hard-shelling, right? We're just talking about the Word of God. And he's explaining all this to them. And, and then, y'all probably know the story, right? Eutychus falls out of the loft and he dies, right? Anybody that's preaching at midnight, somebody's going to end up, end up dead, right? So what did... What did Paul do. He resurrects him. He resurrects him real quick. And you don't know what they, what they did. They're like, okay, well, you know, somebody fell out of the loft and died. And he resurrected him. You know, I guess we can go get some sleep now. They spent the rest of the night. Why? Because Paul was leaving the next day. It says here, um, verse 11, when they, uh, therefore, he was come up, he had broken bread and eaten. They talked a long while, even till the break of day. So he departed. Now, that's not, that's not realistic most of the time, right? But the, the picture here is that, and you want to know why they were so excited about we can't let this man leave without sucking every bit of knowledge we have out of this guy is because they didn't have the written New Testament yet, right? What they had was a chosen apostle of the Lord that is here with us 
until tomorrow morning. And there are questions that we have and we have to ask them while he's here in person, right? So they were asking every single question that they had and then the Lord obviously blessed Paul with the energy to be able to do that and then leave the next day. But what you see there is just a hunger for God's word, right? The attributes uh, in the Beatitudes, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Well, there's nothing more righteous than the word of God, right? Hungering and thirsting for the word of God. And if you have that attitude and disposition toward God's word and you say, Lord, just allow me to see. And again, that's why I think it's so important to have this balance in the kingdom. You have these older ministers, these older members, the aged members, they're able to instruct the younger members that don't, they don't know as much yet. But boy, those aged members, they need to have a spark from these young people that are excited about things they've took for granted for 50 years, right? They need that. <laughs> and if we've taken anything for granted, I just pray the Holy Spirit allows us to love God better through loving his word better, right? You can't separate the two. You can't. You can't separate a love for God and a love for his word. And we'll never be able to obey the, the greatest commandment in the manner that we're ought to, that we're called to, unless we have that same love and desire to dig into God's word and to consume it at every opportunity. In personal devotion, in receiving the preaching of the word of God, but also in like-minded believer conversation. And, and yes, we can talk about, as primitive Baptists, we can talk about things in a way that other people can but if you've been in the workplace with people that are not Christian minded I hope that you've been able to find good Christian friends that you know what they may they may never be a permanent Baptist but I'll tell you I'll take talking to them about the Word of God we can disagree about election we can disagree about some other things but in a in a in an environment where there are especially not Christian people that act not very Christian Boy, you should gravitate to those people who are like-minded Christians to discuss God's Word. Again, we may not agree about election. You'll probably never be a permanent Baptist, or you may not be. But you know what? I, I, what I'm saying is your discussion of God's Word with Christians is not limited to the role books of our church, right? No, it's those that also love Jesus Christ. And you want to know the best way for them to possibly become a friend of Baptist in the future? By you discussing what, what you understand the Word of God to teach. So we just hope the Lord will, by His Spirit, give us greater clarity and love for Him. And through greater love for Him, a greater love for the Word of God as well. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.